episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 19th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, actually partaking of his namesake, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing games that we have played within the last week. Doom Eternal's new anti-cheat breaks game for some and raises concerns. Anthem is being worked on by a 30-person, quote, incubation team, end quote, Kerbal Space Program is getting free ESA update. Valve shares plans for its imminent artifact reboot beta. And we will have a Steam Discovery queue should time allow. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello, how you doing? I'm sleepy and weird. And dopey. And dopey. But not at all bashful. And I know I've made that joke uh, uh, before, but what the hell at this point? Yeah. I mean, we're coming up on 200 episodes, so. That's right. We've been doing this for a long, 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 long time. And long. we're not at all sorry. Nope. I mean, I'm sorry, but not for that. I'm sorry for other stuff in my life. I do have regrets. I am human, after all. Well, that could be a fun Franken episode. <laughs> what are your regrets? I mean, I'll, I will share them with you. Not tonight. Uh, uh, more, more like, what are you actually ashamed of? Because, whew. Mm, not much. Not much. What did I used to be ashamed of before I found anti-Jesus? Well, supply-side Jesus? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that could be a topic to record for a Franken episode sometime. But we have spent... I was late, slightly late, not super late, but slightly late. And then we spent, like, 40 minutes, like, in sleepy, weird limbo Yeah, talking uh, about... Yeah, some with Craig, some without. Yep. Talking about you know, Jesus the masochist and other things that will come to a Franken episode near you in the future. It'll be a good time. But Yeah, I'm sure. How have you been, Rage? Uh been alright. Been trying to get through some of our game club and uh still trying to play other games to have uh some content, so shall we move on to that? Sure. Do you want so, to go first or do you want yeah, me to go first? Yeah, well I got two. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll do one, then you could do your few sentences, then I'll do the other one, all right? Okay. So, my two games actually share a theme. Good ideas that just are kind of meh. And no, it's not Meh Warrior again, or Meh Warrior 5, Monotony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one is from uh, Ninja Theory. It's Bleeding Edge. Uh, the Their answer to the question that nobody asked, Hey, why don't you make an Overwatch clone? So this is the uh, hero shooter or arena shooter or whatever you want to call this genre because I've heard it called several things now. A third person hero shooter where uh, it's a bunch of weirdos bashing against each other. And it's like, well, how is that, you know, how is there, you know, kind of uh, not developed well enough? Well... Uh, it seems like they spent like all their create creativity on like four or five characters, and then kind of phoned it in for the rest, and then phoned it in for the game modes and the arenas. So, like I said, this is by Ninja Theory. So, you know, a, a, a game company that actually has some prestige behind them—not triple A per se, but yeah, you know, good enough, right? And 
the storyline, because of course there has to be some sort of lore building, is that this is set in the future and hackers stole the uh, technology to be able to build cybernetic uh, augmentations and uh, basically released it out onto the internet. So these very tightly controlled, very... uh, uh, basically trying to prevent superhumans from becoming a thing. Well, the genie got let out of the bottle, and people went nuts with it. So, you have, for example, a robotic snake who is the transferred mind of a elite hacker who then puppets his mummified corpse around with the snake. Alright? Okay. As one character, you have a obese uh lady with uh, bubblegum pink hair that suffered that uh, well a biker that suffered a, a, an accident that uh, basically left her paralyzed so she replaced her legs with shock absorbers and rides a mono wheel around or a, a unicycle around but can also uh go down to like a boss uh, a, a biker mode which i'll get into a little bit uh you have your generic uh you know uh, techie girl you have bird woman you have grandmother with a hot air balloon uh, on her back and wolverine claws uh you have giant black guy uh yeah like i said it, it feels like they spent a lot of their creativity on a few characters and then it's just like yeah that's as much as we got so the game feels uh, now i'm blanking on that uh one hero shooter that we played a while back it was the free to play one uh, uh, third person uh, with horses uh, that you could r- ride around on. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, but it's so forgettable, huh? Yeah. Uh, third person with horses that you could ride on. Yeah, it was the hero shooter with the uh free to play on Steam. Um, um, shit. You know what I'm talking about? It's I just, know what you're talking about, yeah, just, but I can't remember it for the life of me. Because it's a generic, bland, hero shooter, bad Overwatch copy. Yeah, well, this is pretty much the same as that. Only with less content. Paladins. Paladins. Uh, See, I was going down chivalry for some reason, but it's the same idea. Paladins. This feels a lot like Paladins, only you removed even more content. So, every single one of the uh, characters have some sort of travel ability. uh, That honestly feels way too slow. Uh, the back the biker lady or generic hacker uh, Asian guy uh, ha- uh, has a travel mode on their actual character. You know, be able to just go faster. Then everybody else has hoverboards. So you see why I went to Paladins immediately, huh? Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. else, uh, you know, has hoverboards. At least I saw. I, there may have been a couple others that I missed that had uh, some sort of. Uh, build-in travel mode. Maybe the old lady also has some some, uh, some sort of uh, thing with her hot air balloon. But it feels sluggish. It's uh, But at the same time, all the arenas feel like they're... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this, because it feels like there's not enough clutter, alright? To make the arenas interesting. Now, I should preface this with saying that last... Technically, Hero Shooter, I played for an extended amount of time. And even though back then it wasn't called that, it was Team Fortress 2. But 
something that uh, Team Fortress 2 always had was some sort of flavor to the arenas. Some sort of clutter or set dressing that made things feel a little bit more cohesive. It didn't feel like, oh, this could be any map anywhere. It's just a slightly different configuration. Well, that's what uh, it felt like on the few matches I played in Bleeding Edge was that it felt like, well, this doesn't feel like a, a different map. This just feels like they moved a room or moved one or two rooms around and that was it. That's not to say that the map design is terrible. It's just kind of bland. And that's how everything kind of felt. It just felt really uninspired. Some uh, uh, of the uh, heroes or playable characters are more melee focused. But they felt like they were at a severe disadvantage because, you know, there was so many ranged fighters. And uh, it may have just been that the player base is just so small. I tried playing this on a Friday evening, okay? Mm -hmm. So pretty much usual peak times, all right? I played two, maybe three matches. Matchmaking took me over five minutes to get through, all right? Then it's hurry up and wait on character select another minute. Then it's hurry up again for uh, uh, the match to actually get going. So I'm looking at seven, eight minutes before even starting the match. And as far as I can tell, there's only two game modes. There's a essentially a, uh, a control, well, control point. And then there's a modified version of Capture the Flag. Where, or, or it's not really even Capture the Flag. It's a collection, a resource collection mission. But they both play essentially the same, where the control points uh, essentially toggle on and off. And the only difference between them is uh, if you're having to gather resources in between them. So control points, uh, every minute they toggle on for a minute and then they turn off. Uh, but they're still accumulating points. So you have, uh, let's say, 500. I can't recall if that's the actual number. And it's 4v4. Or at least the matches I got in. It may be 5v5 and I just never got full matches. And you uh, capture the points, but whenever the uh, points are no longer capturable, they are still accumulating points. Which can lead to a real snowball effect. Which happened in all my matches. Where my team split up, grabbed two uh, control points uh, pretty quickly because the capture uh, rate is just absurdly high highest I've ever seen in one of these games and then just sat and defended those two points and won. I never got to play the resource gathering one. I'm not sure if that was just luck of the draw or if that's the less popular of the two. But for that one, they at least could go over in the tutorial where you're just running around gathering up these floating blocks and you have to dunk, uh, drop them off at a central point. The central point turns on and off and if you get damaged while you're dropping off uh, it interrupts your uh, essentially banking uh, the points, and of course, yeah, if you die with them, uh, you drop them, and the other team can pick them up. Pretty bog standard, and that's all the game modes. Maps there was only a handful, and I went and looked at a map list, and there was three or four for each game mode. I mean, it's just it feels like this should be a beta instead of an actual full release. And I'm just double-checking my... Uh, yeah, it's a $30 game, and it just feels like it's not finished. Or not even in a release uh, state, I should say. I mean, how even the the one map that... Or the one character I mentioned to you, the dolphin? That was post-release. I didn't even realize that. 
Now, they are talking about new skins and a new map coming out. But just take a look at the map on Steam. Look how sanitized that is. How kind of meh. Just feels boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's it's very rare that you find what is just a clone that's good or interesting enough on its own. It just feels like it's not bringing anything really interesting to the table outside of its background lore. But then it doesn't really do anything with it outside the fact. You know, it's, oh, well, there's an undead rocker dude that uh, will play sick riffs and uh, do a power slide and kneel uh, it, and leave flames behind him. All right, great. But, you know, that's all the character that they have for him. You know, that's it. You can see the uh, programmer guy uh, that's transferred his mind to a robotic snake. Uh, the, uh, I believe that's the undead rocker that's breathing fire. It's just, I went to this expecting, uh, with low expectations, and it is better than I thought it would be. So I should say that much. It is better than I thought it would be. Well, I think it might have just been colored by the fact that there's really, doesn't seem to be a player base, even with Game Pass. I played this on Game Pass, by the way, I didn't mention that before. Uh, there's just, it's better than what I thought it would be, but because there's just no players available, even with Game Pass going, and it trying to force you to use a controller uh, to try to make crossplay a lot more viable, which the, uh, at least the Game Pass version does do crossplay, but even though it's crossplay on Game Pass, I'm still spending over five minutes of matchmaking. That's a bad sign, isn't it? Yeah, I really think this one's dead on arrival unless they're able to pull something out of their hat, but or whatever you know, cybernetic thing is in the future that passes for a hat, maybe a hot air balloon or something. It's just eh, go play Paladins. It's actually more defined. Unless you you must play a, you know, a dolphin in a uh, walking robot, right? I mean that's pretty neat, but not neat enough for thirty dollars. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, he, Here's kind of the uh, the pinnacle of it, all right? All these games have some sort of customization setting or uh, a system in them, right? Mm-hmm. The customizations in Bleeding Edge is literally all recolors. All of them. Short of the emotes, which is just a couple animations. There's three animations you could unlock, and there's three cosmetics that you can unlock for each character. Which there's no daily quest or anything. It's literally just you uh, you play a match, you get uh, you grind out some currency, and uh, you're able to buy either mods, which I'll get to in a moment. I f- forgot about them until uh, just now, or cosmetics, which are all literally just recolors. <laughs> you know, they change the like the color of the biker chick chick's co- uh, costume from like dark uh, uh, or. Uh, black with a, a teal to a black with a blue or black with a pink or something like that. Very, very minor. And it just kind of, once again, meh. But I, I completely forgot about the mod system. The mod system is where the game tries to do something a little bit deeper, but it's just so grindy that I never got to play with it because they only hand you a little bit of, cur- of currency for a win. And to get some mods, it I'm looking at like 10 to 20 wins and it's all pretty, you know, just boring stuff. Once again, it's just percentage increases or decreases uh, that I saw at least uh, increasing damage, decreasing uh, cooldowns, increasing range, that sort of thing. 
So it feels like there's going to be a very much a right way to mod out a character and no real customization or player choice in it. Now, I could be wrong on that one because I didn't dive into it enough because I was taking forever to get a match, let alone yeah, get enough wins to be able to start unlocking mods. And it's all through this grindy uh, play long enough to get enough points to be able to unlock something. They had some sort of uh, uh, quest system where, okay, play with this character so many times and you'll unlock a mod form, maybe, or some sort of alternate progression system. But no, just a treadmill. And mm, uh, there's better games that I could do that one. Right. And I ended up talking on that one a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> you did, but that's okay. Uh, any questions um, on that one? Nah, I don't think so. It seems really boring. And you talked to me about it the other day, too. Um briefly while we were yeah. uh, i think it was sunday night you mentioned it to me yeah uh in between our uh or just before playing some cards together mm-hmm. yeah well we finish that game we're gonna have to talk about it again aren't we yeah i think we definitely will yeah um but is it my turn yeah i would say if you're hard oh, well uh, the main reason why i started playing it in the first place was that it was uh, a microsoft rewards quest on uh, game pass so i downloaded and played through it a little bit to try it out and honestly, I think the marketing on it, it, they they really dropped the ball on that. Because they make it look like it's a fighting game instead of a hero shooter, unless you start diving into the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't looked at the marketing for it, so I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just, ugh. yeah, I mean, I'm just watching the trailers, and unless you look at a couple very small clips, it is looks like a fighting game. So yeah, it's just like dropping the ball over and over and over again. Yeah, you would think that they uh, they work for Bethesda or something. <laughs> you would think. But we'll get to that later. All right, you're, you're up. Indeed. So the only I didn't play anything new this week. I had to go pick up my one of my sisters in law, who's living with us for the summer. Um, we had to go to Pennsylvania to get her. Um. So I was out of pocket for a couple of days, and I'm then... surprised you didn't show up here. Actually, <laughs> it was it was a, like a quick turnaround trip. I mean, we drove for like twenty. We were up for twenty somewhere between like twenty four and thirty hours straight. It was a long trip, driving out, getting the stuff, driving back. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. Like it's on a mission from uh, God. We we left like Thursday. After I got done working um, and got back Friday evening, Friday night sometime, and I played a little bit of some stuff, but I like crashed and then did work over the weekend, otherwise like on the house and stuff. So anyways, I did a lot of stuff and didn't really get any time to play any new games. The only two things I played were a little bit of Battletech, which has become my current sort of working game because it's, you know, turn based. I can leave it for a while if I need to and it's fine. And then I played more Yakuza, which is the Game Club game, so obviously not going to talk about that right now. Um, but I talked about Rogue Tech last week, the one of the biggest Battle Tech, like, full conversion mods or whatever. Um, I couldn't get it working in a way that I felt was acceptable. Like, I never could get better than, like, a steady 25 FPS. And it just, even in, like... I. I, I might be able to handle that, but there were still so so much like jittering and frame drops and weirdness when the engine would like want to die because it was doing stuff it wasn't intended to do. And if you've got like enough horsepower to run it, fine, then that's great. But my computer is not 
is not that strong. Um, so I uninstalled Rogue Tech and just went back and started a regular uh, stock playthrough. And the final update to the game, or at least what they've said is the final like official update to the game, added a bunch of stuff that they really didn't have to, but it was like nice quality of life stuff. Like they added a, a bunch of new mech uh, variants to existing mechs in the game, and it's not just the stuff from the DLCs. It's a, quite a few of the base mechs have got variants to them as well. So different weapon loadouts or other potential interesting things that could be a part of them, um, like quirks or other things like that. So that's neat. They added a bunch of new weapons, or not new weapons, but there, there were weapons in the game that had um, didn't have plus variants that had you know special stat boosts. Um, and so they added variants for those weapons. So now you can get like machine guns were the ones that had that uh, machine guns and flamers definitely never had any plus variants in the past. Um, and there might've been some other stuff that didn't, um, that I just, I was like drawing a blank on that was added in the mods that wasn't in the base game. But now the like machine guns have plus and plus plus variants, which can do more damage or the machine guns are fun. Uh, one of the plus variants makes them weigh zero. Because a machine gun normally only weighs a half a ton, but you can get variants of them that weigh zero, so that's fun. Um, I've got a few of those in my current playthrough. And then they added half-ton ammo, um, which is a thing that exists in lore. You know, half a ton, half the amount of ammo in it. But sometimes you've only got like a half a ton left on your armor build, or you're trying to create some other balance thing, or um, maybe you're using like a... Uh, one single missile launcher long or short, short range and a ton of ammo is probably going to go to waste because you won't use it that much during a mission but um, it's a little extra firepower can round out kind of the weapon profile for your mech so now you can just use a half a ton of ammo that's nice um, and they've added a bunch of other quality of life stuff in terms of like customization options to the difficulty of the game um, at, at some point in the past, they added a bunch of, of difficulty options in the sense of like, you could scale it up or down or any combination of based on your play style. So for example, you could, um, like by default, it takes three mech parts to build a mech from salvage. You could turn that from all the way up, uh, to eight. So three, four, five, etc. You could change the amount of money that you would get for contracts, um, the base multiplier to make it higher. So you got more money or less money. Um, some of that stuff existed, but they've added more of those options um, so that you can dial in that difficulty even even more. Um, and that's probably my favorite thing that they've added. Because one of the things that I always did was I would go in and I would still mod the game file to change how much money you got for selling your mechs and how much money you got for contracts um, tweak the scalers. And so... Being able to do that by default is really nice. Um, it's not crazy, but it's just a, enough of a boost that makes it feel like it makes sense. It's like, okay, I'm dropping, you know, 200 tons of super awesome, crazy technology that everyone's like, oh my god, you have mechs. That's amazing. You're so cool. and But you're only giving me like $100,000 and a couple pieces of salvage. Uh, it's please, like, it's 100,000 space bucks. Right, right. My apologies. Um, and then they've added a lot of additional um, sort of random encounters to spice things up a little bit. Um, and they've kind of done that with every update, but they've added even more. So that's cool, because um, I'm still seeing stuff that I hadn't seen in my previous, like, 500 
or 600 hours of gameplay. Um, and there's certainly the possibility that I could have missed stuff from before, but I'm consistently seeing new things right now or different version or different variants of things I'd seen before. So that's very cool. And then, um, they've added additional voice lines and for, for your pilots, like whenever they'd shoot somebody, you know, there's some new voice lines or whenever you drop on a planet, you might get a unique voice line. Um, and you know, if you've got the DLC, then some of this stuff you get a little bit more of, cause obviously there's a mech variants for, the DLC mechs as well as the base game. But even if you don't have that stuff, there's still things in there for everybody. So it's just really nice, like quality of life stuff. Um, you know, if, if you've never played before, then you wouldn't really notice any of that. But I mean, I've I've had high praise for Battletech since day one, and they've continually improved it. Um, and, you know, kind of with its final send off, it, it seems like they have given it some further sort of final improvements. It's nice. Well, I guess that means it's back onto me. I, I do want to go back to play Battletech again, but I think I'm going to wait till after the summer sale and grab probably all the DLC at once. Yeah, I think it's the Mercenary Pack that's everything. Uh, Well, I'm looking at uh, Mercenary Pack versus like uh, the Season Pass Pack because eh, uh, the one has the digital deluxe content, which I don't care that much about. The soundtrack is really good. One of the Battletech soundtrack is one of the only game soundtracks I've ever like sat and listened to. Um, and not all of it is great. Like the battle music and stuff gets kind of repetitive, but like, man, that intro song just mwah, chef kiss. And there's some other really good music in there too. The, the front or the title music. It's really good. The guy who, who wrote that soundtrack won a bunch of awards a couple of years ago because of the battle Battletech soundtrack. Yeah. But I have prom music. That's true. I mean, you can listen to it on there, but you can also listen to it just on YouTube. But yeah, but it's... see, if I'm listening to it on Prime Music, they at least get yeah you know, royalties or something, right? And I've just Probably. checked; they, they it actually is on here. <laughs> okay, yeah, I I have everything except the digital deluxe content on on it. But yeah, I mean, if the, I think the season pass still gives you everything, that uh, probably does... is the cheapest way to go. Uh, the season pass doesn't give the digital deluxe, but it also has a seventeen percent off, uh, right. uh, even before any of the sales. So, so when that goes on sale, probably knocks it down to probably about twenty some or thereabouts. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll probably be what I, my uh, uh, big purchase for the uh, summer sale, that or any random game that we'll have to add to the game club list and then never play, right? <laughs> probably the probably the only other mod i'm gonna try for a while is one that adds the career or the campaign stuff into a career mode as flashpoints Ooh. i think i'm gonna do that and actually go through it with my you know my stuff the whole way instead of when the game wants you to because a lot of stuff is gated in the the campaign mode i mean you know kind of naturally there's a progression of the story i get it but nah fuck that i'm gonna go in guns blazing from mission one, like here's my four atlases. Four atlases with uh, uh, mad cats on their shoulders, right? Yeah, come on, Kamea, let's go. And they're talking about how tough this fight is going to be. Yeah, and then the second dropship comes in with another four atlases, gold plated. That's my favorite thing I think about the, particularly the heavy metal update i mean you don't get to command two lances but they added so many more mission types where you have allies fighting beside you that it helps the the sort of scale of combat feel better on higher level and city missions good stuff 
Okay. I should stop talking. Well, should, well, I, was go, go. Well, I was going to ask you one last uh, Battletech question. Okay. Out of the three DLCs, since you have them, which one do you say would be the best and which one's the worst? Um, hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, if... I actually don't know if you have to have the Flashpoint expansion to get the Flashpoints that exist in Urban Warfare and Heavy Metal. Um, so if you do, then Flashpoint, which is the first one, is the best. If you don't, Heavy Metal is the best um, because it adds the most additional content to the mechs and customization. And actually, it adds an entire new storyline um, to play through. So Heavy Metal, if you don't have to have Flashpoint, Heavy Metal is the best. Yeah, it looks like have uh, to have Flashpoint, looks like you don't have to from the looks of it. Okay, I may be so mistaken yeah. on that. Heavy Metal is the best. Um, and Urban Warfare is the worst, but that's like an A plus versus like an A minus or maybe a, a B plus. Like Urban Warfare, the the biggest problem with it is that urban maps just kill performance, just kill it. I assume just because there's so much shit that they've drawn on. Like, I mean, they do feel like huge cities, um, but it just tanks game in game performance. And then there's they did add um in the options menu. This is new. They added a um I forget what it's called, but like a performance meet thing that you can tick on for city maps and it simplifies the maps a lot and it still runs like shit <laughs> so i just left it on like if it's gonna run like crap in cities it might as well look great yeah it's not just turn-based but as long as it's not screwing up your targeting it's fine no it's it's not doing that but watching the action is is like more like watching a slideshow but i mean i've got i'm to the point where i just have like the fast battle mode turned on all the time so there's there's not really much watching like walking around and shooting. Well, at least with I mean, that like, attitude, it still happens, but it goes really really fast. So, all right, your turn. Okay, uh, it's time to stop padding and go on to my second uh, themed game of games. Are good idea, but there just doesn't feel like there's enough. So, Occidental Heroes. This is a mobile game that I've been toying around with for actually a couple weeks now, just on and off. And it's an open-world roguelite that feels like it just isn't going anywhere, at least for the time being. It, this may just be one of those cases where I have not hit the particular story trigger to actually draw me in. So this is... Oh, I'm just... Uh, I was saying counting. Uh, a hex, uh, a hex grid com uh, tactics combat game where you are running a troop of essentially mercenaries in a fantasy world, going around doing contracts. And there is something here. There is some interesting combat, but at the same time, it is also very frustrating. So as it's roguelite, there is permadeath. You lose a character, they are dead. Dead is dead. But also, wounded uh, characters lose resolve. And all characters have a certain amount of resolve points. Once resolve points hit zero, at least according to the wiki, because I haven't actually had it happen yet, and I was poking around the wiki to figure out, okay, 
when does this game actually start to pick up? Because it's kind of right now. Uh, they leave the company and take a chunk of money with them. Uh, all uh, uh, the guild or the mercenary group you're, uh, you're part of, all loot is distributed between the members of the group. And depending on how you set it up, uh, you have a few essentially modifiers to the campaign mode where you can have four members or three members. Uh, you can make it so that your characters are uh, level up slower, but they have more resolve, that sort of thing. So there is some options there. But the thing is that, you know, losing a character because their character, they took one too many hits, especially your tank characters, right? That That just puts me off from the very get-go. And on top of that, just the fact that I haven't hit the story trigger yet to actually you know, find this amazing story that the reviews are talking about or uh, this deep uh, 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 lore. It's just said to be back and forth between a couple of towns. Occasionally you tell me to go hunt a bear and you know bring back a bear ass. Literally? Or... Oh, well, well, not literally, but they say you, know, you collected some trophies to show that you killed the bear. So, hey, two butt cheeks, right? There you go. It's just... This may be just a simple case of me missing uh, the actual amazing depth, but it's also rated four stars with 11,715 uh, uh, reviews, which sounds pretty good, but you have to remember this is the Google Play Store, so anything below five stores, pure cancer, right? Right, 100%. It is free to play, so I would say that if you're interested in this particular genre, it's worth checking out. But there's just a lot of uh, reading uh, long pass- uh, passages of text, and there's not a lot of variation in them. So pretty quickly, it's, oh, well, it's this type of mission. It's just, I got to go this direction. Uh, it's this uh, type of mission. I have to go this direction. Oh, crap. It's an escort mission. Do I put turn this down and try to get to the next town with my supplies? Or after a while, after you build up enough money just you know skip town get enough supplies to be able to uh, traverse the world map which every time you go past a hex you're burning an amount of supplies uh, your food and uh, drink but you could eventually buy a horse or some sort of pack mule to increase the amount of supplies you're able to carry and also that's dependent on the amount of party members you have so if you lose a party member well, you may end up losing supplies as well because your party members can't carry enough now, which is irritating. There's just, it's good for a, a toy around game, you know, if you don't want to sit and think about it. But it's also a tactics game. And a tactics game, by its very definition, is not a very casual game because you have to sit there and think about your movie. You have to think about the uh, gameplay. So it's kind of the antithesis of itself, you know? Yeah. So that's why it just feels weird. And it might, like I said, just be, I haven't gotten to the good part yet. Because it seems like the game just wants me to go back and forth between these uh, couple towns and build up my reputation. And the thing is that if you lose a character, your renown is tied to those characters. So you have to hire another one and you're on the ground again. So eventually, maybe you'll be able to get to a point where you're able to get enough renown to finally buy that bridge pass, but it just, up to that point, it's just so boring. So, eh, if you're really looking for something, go for it. 
but there has to be better tactics games on uh on android so yeah probably i don't play enough android games to find out though yeah well i I ended up finding this uh just on a random on the play store and it was interesting enough for an evening or two but it's just uh, it's uh, something i should look for is best tactics games uh oh fire emblem there you go right oh yeah I forgot. There's there's a Fire Emblem mobile game. Also, uh, I think well, 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 uh, well, 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 that's, well that, is or, or is that the or is that the Fire Emblem game I played? It's like yo, know, this microscopic uh, little field. But you mean Fire Emblem what Heroes, whatever Fire Emblem? Yeah, looks like it's just Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah, which is disappointing. But there's a full on tactics uh, Final Fantasy Tactics games which is a different one than we played i think yeah there's been a few. Uh, no, oh no this is an updated version so there's uh, uh proper cutscenes and everything instead of you know saying their walls text so maybe we should have played that right but i wasn't wanting to <laughs> sp- i wasn't wanting to spend 12 bucks on a mobile game i know i know uh mobile games have severely de- devalued themselves because there's so many that's free or you know uh you know you pay with ads but right yeah, but I, I mean, I'll still buy a mobile game. I bought one that I haven't played yet. I've been kind of holding on to it for a good time to play it. But I, I bought like a five dollar puzzle game on mobile that looked really good. Yeah, I'm just going. And I like now. saw like some good reviews and stuff for. So I didn't just buy it on a whim. But yeah, yeah, I think that's the other thing that really puts me off is that it's so hard to find proper reviews for mobile games. Yeah. You know, I'm just scrolling through a couple of lists now. Like, uh, well, here's one: uh, Darkest Dungeon, which that that works, right? Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, like I said, uh, both my games decent ideas, but yeah, feels like they're uh, they're lacking something for one player base. The other one, actual content, at least uh, as far as I got to play. So, moving on. Indeed, moving on. Our first news story of the night. Uh, Doom Eternal's new anti-cheat breaks the game for some and raises concerns. Oh, Bethesda, 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 right? Yep, they added, um, I mean, the short version is they added De Nouveau anti-cheat to Doom Eternal after launch without, like, announcing it that they were... I mean, they announced when they did it, but they didn't announce that they were going to do it or that it was planned. They just did it and then said, oh, hey, we updated the game. It's got De Nouveau anti-cheat now. Enjoy. Yep. Uh, and people are going rather nuts about this uh, for some people with very good reasons. But people are also blowing other parts of this story out of the water. So uh, let's uh, break it down. For one, a lot of... Uh, 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 people are going on about this being kernel level uh you know this will hack your uh, computer uh anti-cheat stuff well no because anti-cheat stuff usually goes to that level it usually is uh, that invasive the problem with that is that it's also carrying the denuvo tag and that also garners a lot of hate so yeah right yeah um, so saying kernel level anti-cheat, uh, well, at least according to a couple of sources I've read, that's not exactly new. What's 
new is that you know it runs both in single and multiplayer yeah that that sucks especially for people that are having frame rate issues or just the game not running because uh if you're running linux uh you're screwed because uh it doesn't work in linux <laughs> and it it's a required uh program to run it uh, the game even in single player so yeah enjoy right i did not know that i didn't know that it didn't run in linux I missed that on uh, the, uh, the stuff that I'd seen. Uh, the game itself, it's not designed for Linux as far as I know. Uh, but up until this patch, you were able to run it in a, a wrapper to be able to uh, essentially emulate Windows uh, to be able to play it in Linux. But mm, not anymore. Gotcha. Well, that fucking sucks. I mean, I, you know, I have received the briefest of education, mostly right before we started recording from a, a video you showed me about how yeah, because and why anti-cheat is is at the kernel level instead of at a higher level. Yeah. Um, uh, But, I mean, essentially, if, if it runs at an application level, if, you know, if I'm understanding this correctly. It's worthless. Then it's worthless because anyone who is actually really trying to hack, cheat, etc., can just go down below it and and then sub uh subvert yeah, it yeah which i trust this source because this is sid alpha and he is a programmer uh, as his day job he does he works in the tech field so yeah if there's anybody that i trust with this it is sid alpha uh, yeah and also he does it. he does his, his research his homework yeah. he's very reputable I, I mean how even jim sterling uh didn't go uh off on this right yeah, it, it's more the fact that they did it on the first major patch after the fact. You know, that is the scummy move. That is the bullshit move. Because if you're one of the unlucky people that are having issues with it, well, you just got your game hobbled with no warning, and it would suck if you're playing it up to this point, getting close to the end of the campaign. Which, from what I've heard, Doom Eternal is actually a fairly lengthy game. Now, let me just double check that uh and it would help if i didn't type of that yeah roughly 15 to 20 hours that's not short for a shooter no not for a first person shooter. That, that's fucking long for a first person shooter yeah most average shooter campaigns i would say are probably in the eight ish hour point eight yeah. to ten hours yeah they're about like, yeah so but i mean my biggest problem is that they just slid it in there without telling anybody mm-hmm you know, like if you're gonna put it in there up front, fine. At least people know. Then people. I mean, how? But I mean, that's the thing is that Bethesda wasn't even able to put the DRM in the game properly because they released a version of Doom Eternal without the DRM by accident. Remember? Yeah, I do. So I do understand that there's a, a backlash, uh, not trusting uh, Bethesda with putting invasive anti-cheat, even though that that is you know kind of redundant into a game but at the same time eh, right it's the fact yeah. that they did it without you know saying oh yeah by the way uh next patch in a, a couple of weeks we're going to put a denouvel anti-cheat or not even named it anti-cheat but saying we're going to put in an anti-cheat so uh, software right or how about this how about make it so that the multiplayer mode gets the anti-cheat and whenever you load up, up a single player game it doesn't run. It's a split uh, system. I, I'm not sure if uh, Doom Eternal is uh, set up like that, but I do know that uh, some uh, games that have very strong anti-cheat software 
single player is completely segregated. But once again, that requires you know a publisher that actually gives a shit about that sort of thing. And this is Bethesda after all. And yes, I realize Ed, uh, Ed Software is the uh, developers, but yeah, it's not fun to shit on them as much. Yeah. The only game I've ever seen that does that, and I'm sure there's others that do, but the only game I've ever seen do that is um, one of the Call of Duties, uh, Black Ops. It's got a separate single player and multiplayer um, like that you launch. And I mean, if you swap, it closes out the one and opens the other. Yeah, which... Oh, sorry, I saw something pop up, which is going to be on the next week's show. Okay. Uh, I just saw Yonge put out a video. Oh boy, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, just, what the hell, right? Yeah. I think it's just more the fact that where uh, the, the industry treats players as you know, really disposable. Or, yeah, there's no consumer protection whatsoever. There's or I shouldn't say whatsoever. Whenever it comes to changing the game after the fact, there's no protection whatsoever. A game could be completely changed, and you're just told, oh, suck it up. A game could be broken, and you're told, eh, no big deal. And there really should be some sort of protection about, well, you just patched the game, and I can't play it anymore. Not even this whole, uh, you know, uh, kickback of well I don't not like De Nuvo so I, I, this game is literally unplayable to me because I don't like it but the fact that well I was playing on Linux and it was working up until this point until you put the anti-cheat which broke my uh, way I was playing it or my computer is having an adverse reaction to it and I've seen some people posting uh, FPS graphs of severe hitching because of the anti-cheat doing something in the background whenever they're playing the single player campaign well, they're told, well, tough. And it's hard to really want to support AAA developers in the process because you're just running a, uh, you're spinning the uh, roulette wheel. Are you going to get screwed over before you play your game, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why you and I so often recommend, like, don't just buy brand new games, wait a while and see what happens. Yeah, patient gamer, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you don't even have to wait that long. Like, it's not like, go wait five years, but... A few months is usually enough in most of these cases to see whether or not the game is good or going to get fucked over, mm -hmm. or if it launches poorly to see if they're going to fix it. Yeah, which, or, you know, if the game comes back and with uh, weird monetization, right? Yeah. yeah. Teasing next week. <laughs> is there another one? Uh, no, there was a response to that one. Uh, oh, okay. And Young Ye just put out a video two hours ago and I didn't see it. Because, damn. Damn YouTube subscription model. <laughs> yep. Shitty, broken YouTube subscription model. Well, uh, subscri uh, uh, subscription feed, I guess I should say. Yeah, subscription algorithm. Um, But speaking of patient gaming and broken games and bullshit, let's go on to our next news topic. Anthem is being worked on by a 30-person, quote, incubation team. In so, uh, a, a quick question, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what year is it? Because, you know, quarantine has made things kind of drawn out, and, you know, and, and, and I kind of lose track of time. Anthem released a while back, right? Yep, Anthem released, uh, like, what, January or February last year? Um, Let's see, uh, it released uh, February 22nd, 
2019. Okay, so it was last year. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a year and three, four months. Um, they're just now working on this? What the fuck? Yep. Yep. They're they're going back to the drawing board. Okay, I realize this is a completely separate division of Bioware. All right, this is a diff- this is a different studio, and this is also a very very small team for AAA development. What the ever living fuck? This is not just missing the boat. This is missing the. This is like buying a ticket to a sailing ship. You've missed the entire age of sail. They miss the ocean. Their boat's on the beach. Um, it's it's interesting why they're doing this. I think that this is primarily to just save face. I don't. I'm. I. I can't say for sure. I don't think Anthem is making money for them anymore. They might be able to spin it of like, oh, people subscribe to the whatever that we've got, and we'll play Anthem. And honestly, I think that's the only way to play Anthem is subscribe if you want to subscribe to their whatever it is ea origin access whatever for a month for like 10 before bucks. it goes into the disney vault <laughs> or actually i think the basic one is like five bucks it's, it's five or ten bucks you subscribe you play through the whole game you play maybe one other because it's pretty short you play maybe one other game that you want to play but don't want to buy and then you end your subscription and you know good to go because so i don't i mean i'm sure there's a few people out there who are spending money on the cosmetics and the uh, the premium currency and all that bullshit, but I just can't imagine that they're making money on it. But I think, and they mentioned this somewhere in the article, I think towards the bottom, but I, I think they're like, um, they're thinking that they need to save face on this. Like, oh no, Bioware's like, actually like really loved by people and they've no, fucked up not. a lot of stuff and... Not anymore. And if we, if we let this just like go down the drain, then... You know, what's that's going to say about us? Which is a really weird move for them to pull at this point. But maybe that means that there's been enough pressure on EA recently that they feel like they've got to score some brownie points somewhere. Because between Anthem and then uh, Battlefront 1 and 2 and... Um, yeah, well, Battlefront 2 is Mass, uh, also... Mass yeah, Effect. Well, Battlefront 2 is pretty much into development. Uh, and they're... Well, did you see the Jim Sterling video about that one? Oh. No, that was this week, so I haven't seen it yet. Uh, basically, there's a petition to get more paid DLC, and Jim Sterling went off. <laughs> I could imagine. Not I'll just not not soon. not just more development, but more paid development, and he 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 was uh he went a little cray cray. All right. Yeah, but, but here's the but, th- I mean, here's the thing for Anthem. All right, let's get it back on Anthem, then we could shit on uh, EA a little bit more in general. Is that, okay, it's been over a year. They also put an update out in February, which said essentially the same thing, saying that it's going to be a while. Honestly, I'll be surprised if we see a 2.0 and they're just, yep, just dabbling in the background. I'll like to be surprised on that, because, uh, but, uh, is this the, the, the new Bioware magic? Yeah, put a bunch of interns on uh, the project uh, for perpetual crunch now. Probably. I mean, it's just Anthem never really, I think, had a shot. It, they were focused so much on trying to get that one E three trailer to be the full game that they lost sight on what actually makes a good looter shooter. 
to the point that there's reports that they weren't even allowed to try other leader shooters to lift ideas or get a feel for how the game actually plays. Let's just put it this way. I searched Anthem release date just to get the date. People also asked, is Anthem fixed yet? <laughs> is Anthem <laughs> still alive? Is Anthem getting better? Is Anthem going to be free? Is Bioware still working on Anthem? Is Anthem a dead game? I think, you know, yeah, right. Yeah, and I totally get that. Also, I wonder if part of this is like, this is EA's, um, uh, shit. This is the problem with me being tired. The games that go on forever. Games as a service? Um, yeah, this is EA's games as a service game. And so they can't throw in the towel on and admit that it was a failure. Yeah, but they're also whatever reason. starting to fall for the sunk cost fallacy because, yeah, these developers, even if there's just 30 of them, is not cheap. No. I mean, 30 people, I don't know what a dev salary is. You, we, could, we could probably look and get like an average. Actually, let's do that. Game developer. I was salary. already doing that. Okay. Uh, Glassdoor game programmer saying 42 to 71k per year uh, in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, Salary.com, well, 20 to $30 per hour. Well, you know they're not going to be paying those guys actual per hour out yeah. per hour rates. Yeah, uh, this one, uh, uh, Glassdoor says base uh, pay, base average, uh, average base pay about fifty one thousand a year. All right, so I'm I actually went with the lowest first number you said, um, forty two thousand. Mm-hmm. I just ran. I just took an even forty-two thousand, and if that's what all thirty of those devs is getting paid, that's one million two hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year for that team. And that's not even counting additional costs. Right. I mean, right? That's I just mean, their salary. I mean, right now, the you know, additional costs are going to be lower because you know everybody's working from home, but also software licensing that costs something. Especially if uh, there's also some graphics artists in there, because you know that starts to really rack up the uh, pricing. Uh, you know, just software licensing in general, though, is going to add to that. Uh, office fees, that sort of thing. I mean, it's just oof, right. It snowballs yeah. quickly. I 100 percent think that this is just them trying to save face to keep their games as service game or. From- quote unquote failing even though it's basically a failure or but or or but it's not or, a failure until uh, they throw in the towel i was gonna say or keep those investors happy because think about it publicly traded company right right and there's that cynical side of me which let's face it ea you know they care more about investors than they do players uh are more focused on keeping the investors happy and saying that Oh yeah, Anthem. It had a rocky start, but we're actively working on it in the background. We're we're going to make it better, and that might be worth a million a year. You know, keep that stock a, a little bit higher, right? That's true. Good point. And then you know, just quietly you know break up the team later when they have something else. Yeah, that that would block or eat up any negative that came from them quietly announcing that Anthem is is done. Yeah, or, you know, the next uh, Star Wars game when they eventually get around to another one, right? Yeah. Because, well, let's go ahead and back, uh, ship back on EA where uh, 
the snarky response uh, to that uh, the the petition was uh, one of the CEOs saying, uh, "Well, funny, the other petition had a lot more uh, 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 signees on it, and you know exactly what one I'm talking about, right?" Say that again. Uh, talking about how that other petition two and a half years ago had a lot more uh, signatures on it. Oh, the one about the loot boxes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, he doesn't feel a sense of pride and accomplishment, huh? hey Yes, yes, I went there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so... Yeah, I realize I I'm being cynical, I'm, uh, but it's me, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. We're We're cynical old bastards. But, I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. It's... It, it's probably a combination of of A and B, saving face, and also because it keeps a little bit of buzz going and helps the stock prices be higher. Yeah, somewhere they uh, did a cost benefit analysis and said, "Yeah, we can put thirty people on, and it'll make sense." Now yeah. they they may be able to tweak something to make it a little bit more enjoyable, but I do not. Foresee, I really hope I'm wrong on this because, yeah. There is some interesting stuff with Anthem. You know, it's essentially Iron Man the shooter. Uh, there is a possibility that they can rework it enough, but you're also looking at the problem of how much can you rework before you actually have to start losing progression, right? Because you've changed too much. You, you either have to roll back people or just, you know, we're, there's only so much we could do, right? Yeah. Yep, and I don't know how much. I mean, I haven't played Anthem in over a year now because i mean I, I did exactly what i just said i got their their whatever game pass and played through and beat it and then my month ran out uh, well honestly I touched it since well i watched that one e3 trailer so it feels like i played it because that seems about all the interesting stuff that they had to show right yeah i mean like i said then i enjoyed it i, I enjoyed the experience but yeah but you know yeah but we're also two very different uh, gamers where I would be highly pissed off at some of the game mechanics based on what I read. Very true. Um, yeah. Do you do you want to go talk about something that's hopefully not going to piss you off? Yes, yeah, sure. Let's bring back Kerbal Cast for a segment. <laughs> so, Yay! so who gets to be Biff um, this time? I'm always Biff. Okay, that's just how it goes. Um, yeah, Kerbal Space Program is getting a free European Space Agency update. And we should uh, highlight this is Kerbal Space Program 1, not the sequel that's uh, still in active development. So this is a free update to KSP, where they're adding comments and stuff from the ESA. So, yay, right? Yay! We, we, we get to murder Kerbals in new ways and crash them into a uh, a comment and get to hey wait we get to roleplay armageddon <laughs> oh boy <laughs> honestly i haven't played ksp in forever we did it for a game club what two years ago mm -hmm. i think and i don't think i've played it since then like nothing against it and i 100 percent am gonna get ksp2 when it launches unless it like turns out to be like a hot garbage I'm going to wait but, till after launch, of course, but... Yeah, but, um, you know, I just... I put in my, like, 600, 700 hours, and, you know, good. I'm good. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that 
I put in probably that much time as well, and it felt like I, you know, I didn't even really touch all the uh, content the game had because I never really did much with the outer solar system. Uh, I modded the game all to hell, so you know, I had my concept networks as well, and I only had uh, coverage on the inner solar system to be able to send robotic probes, and also did uh, life support, so sending uh, prolonged main missions. Uh, required a lot higher tech than you know, would normally be required. So I intentionally slowed myself down, but at the same time gave myself more to do in the inner solar system without having to say, okay, well, now I need to go do this. So more content's always uh, welcome to see, especially the fact that they're also uh, doing a uh, uh, sort of a player challenge as well. So there is... Uh, going to be let me just make sure I get this right. So the uh, update will launch on PC in July, and which will uh, intended to uh, uh, commemorate uh, the two studios' partnership with the European Space Agency. And uh, okay, so it, it'll ta- uh, it'll add two new missions based on real life historic uh, historical ESA missions. Uh, Bippy Com- uh, Colombo which will be the first mission. It will task players with reaching and landing on MOHO, uh, the Kerbal Space Program uh, equivalent of Mercury, in honor of the real-life mission of the same name. And the second mission, Rosetta, uh, resolved around, uh, revolving around landing a on a Jupiter family comet in real life. The Kerbal Space Program mission will reflect this. So, comets as well, right? Yeah. But it's also um, cool to see, you know, kind of analogs of real missions as well to get a feel of just how crazy some of this stuff is whenever you really sit and think about it. Yeah, I'm looking at the Breaking Ground expansion, which came out last year. Apparently it's on sale right now. Oh, really? I guess, uh, actually, the all of KSP is on sale right now, it looks like. Yeah, I um, never did get the DLCs, actually. I never did either. Like... I mean, I, no reason other than just like mods already did all that stuff. Yeah, but I mean, having it officially yeah, the, supported. Yeah, but the breaking ground one with the uh, robotic stuff and the uh, uh, surface mount to science uh, payloads would be a little bit more stable. Yeah. Plus, it gives a, a better starting point for mods to build up. That's the thing, right? Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, the thing that I always focused on is apparently supposed to be, like, a huge thing in KSP2. Because a lot of the mods that I went for were for creating, like, colonies and habitats on other worlds and creating launch platforms from them and that sort of thing. I never quite went as much into the robotics aspect. I liked to, especially in, like, the career mode or whichever one it was that you had to have money. You set up a mining operation yeah, off-world and then you could launch stuff back to Kerbin and make money and fund your space program that way. So I would set up like fuel refining operations on um, the Mun and um, yeah. Well, one thing I would do, uh, which I never got far enough to really be, I I set up for, but never got enough to be able to make use of was I would like to re uh, do space tourism so that, was uh, less uh, as soon as you break or uh, the atmosphere, people's like, "Oh yeah, I want to go too." 
and make it more of a late game thing, but mm-hmm. also build up the way to be able to manufacture stuff off world eventually. Yeah, well, that was what some of the mods that I was using did. You you would build stuff off world and launch and go from there. That's supposed to be apparently a huge part of KSB two, at least from the trailers and stuff that I've seen. Yeah, that's the thing is that trailers, you know, it's tough to say, right? Yeah, I hope that it is. Having all that officially supported would be nice. Yeah, especially if they continue the mod support, which I realize different studios, but still. Yeah. I remember the last two major projects that I worked on before Kerbalcast died was one, we created the shared yeah. space station yeah, with the game that. file that we shared around. Yeah. And I built like the huge, like, yeah, basically, yeah, basically, yeah, I should have uh, said, yeah, and uh, try not to kill the uh, save file. Yeah, I put like a, I think it was like 250 parts in orbit. And yeah, well, I should have told Kyle it. not to call it. Yeah. Because that's it, true. Or what I probably should have done was put it in a more eccentric orbit so it would have been more challenging to get uh, stupidly stuff, uh, stupidly big parts too. Because it was pretty much in a uh, 100 by 100 uh, perfectly zero orbit, wasn't it? Or something. Yeah, I think so. Or, yo, I made it really easy to get It was to. a fairly circular orbit, like right above the equator. And then the other thing I did was the space or the solar system tour or something like that, where I built like that huge colony ship that had all of the people from, you know, all of us that, that ever contributed to the show was like characters on the ship. And that was like right before the the podcast died, so yeah. that mission was never completed. Yeah, then Biff, uh, yeah, went out the airlock, and then we never saw him again. He biffed it. There was like a secret to that the whole time, and there was like a pod that had Taylor Swift in it, and she was gonna get <laughs> she was gonna get ejected and dumped out onto. No, you should have uh, had it was, where she would have uh, crashed into the sun. What's what's the Venus equivalent? Oh, damn. <laughs> what. Whatever that planet was, yeah. and and you know, not playing it in two years, I've forgotten a lot of the names and stuff. But the Venus equivalent um, was where she her pod was going to get dumped, and it like it could land safely. Eve. Like you had, huh? Eve, Eve. Okay, yeah. the The plan was to maroon her there, not kill her, because the pod had like a parachute and some uh, rockets on it to stabilize it on the way down, and then she was just going to be there forever. Nah, you should have put her on life. That ship had tons of problems. I, I kind of fucked up, but then I just had to go with it because I was already so deep. I was like, yeah, I got to do this. Like, I've been talking about it on the show for weeks, and, and in, I'm in this project. I think I recorded some of it, too. But my craft was very unstable. It was a puller design, uh. and it was just too long and heavy. And so once it started wobbling, it was all over. Because, like, my thought was, like, well, if I pull on it, then, you know, I won't have to worry about it being long, but, and that might work in real life, but Kerbal physics are... Uh, you, you summoned the Kraken. I did. And so it would just start oscillating horribly. Yeah, probably. And I didn't want to cheat. Like, I could just cheat, but I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to actually do it. Yeah, well, the uh, the welding system that they put in since then uh, feels almost cheaty, doesn't it? Uh, as, yeah. As a way to fix the Kraken. Basically, you'd be able to weld all the parts together. Yeah. At times, it feels a little over the top. Uh, but probably my biggest project I ever did was I launched this absolutely massive crane to the moon. 
and built a space or built a uh, lunar colony out of just these pods that snapped together. And I, when I say massive crane, I mean this thing was built around uh, well now a de- uh, decommissioned uh, space station parts pack, and it was built around the body of it was a fuel tank that. Well, let's put it this way. It had eight wheels. Eight of the big wheels. And I actually had to go and cheat to put fuel in it because originally it was just you know, fully electrically powered. So I, you mm-hmm. know, I launched the fuel tank uh, that made the body empty you know, because weight. Well, I didn't account that uh, the mun's gravity would be so light that it would just skate around instead of actually roll. <laughs> Yeah, because this was like in the alpha. This was one of my first major projects, so probably like two, three, if I recall correctly. It was in the twenties range before they did the you know, like their one beta patch. Yeah, I started playing after the twos. Yeah, because wasn't I know that there was like a a point nine. Was was there something between like two five and or maybe two nine and nine zero or whatever? Uh, let's see, uh, version history. Um, sorry, I'm having to go through. Uh, uh it went uh, t- uh version point two five, then nine zero, which was the beta, then one uh point zero, what one point zero point one? I guess I should say. Okay, then I started playing at point nine zero. I don't. I definitely was not playing in the two. In the twos. I'm wanting to say I was in the early twos, but I could be wrong. We're just looking at the... Oh, I may have been sooner because... Uh, 0.8 uh, uh, had the flight planner. And I remember being very thankful for that. <laughs> now, I could just look and see when my purchase date was. But that's un- uh, but that's cheating. And it also introduced unmanned probes. Up to that point, it was you know, jab or bust, right? Yeah. I mean, really, that's the only way, though. Jeb or bust. What about Val? All the way. Well, I mean, she's actually competent, so it's not as funny. No, no. The thing is, she isn't as crazy. (laughs) Or as dumb. Notice I say, as crazy. (laughs) Fair. So, yeah. um, That's Kerbal Space Program getting an update. And then a big trip down memory lane. Yeah. Sweet. So let's let's move along to our final news topic of the night. I'm starting to get a little little just like a I'm having a hard time paying attention now. So sleepiness so is progressing. Yeah, sure. So our final news topic of the night: Valve shares plans for its imminent artifact reboot beta. So uh, yo, talk about failed games, right? Yeah, when they say reboot, they mean kicking the dead horse again. I think this is more. Uh, Throwing out the dead horse and putting another dead horse in its place with a different name. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean artifact I mean, was. I mean, really, CCGs have kind of moved on, haven't they? For the most part, I think. I think so. I mean, as far as I know, Hearthstone's still going strong, but otherwise, I mean, there's not too many other CCGs in that specific space. You know, they all have to be doing something very different, or, um. Maybe not very different, but just having like a different sort of gameplay loop, you know, like, I mean, like, like what we were, what, like what we found with the, um, Lord of the Rings yeah. CCG. Yeah, but that's not even a competitive CCG. That's, yeah, cooperative, which is also, I know, but that's thing. doing something very different 
in that space, like a very different gameplay style in that space. So, but yeah, I mean, essentially they're making a, what I think amounts to quality of life improvements. Um, I mean, they're looking at, at a few other larger changes, but essentially, um, when we were talking about this earlier, um, you had identified that they were going to be making it so you could see all three lanes at the same time. And they were taking out the marketplace. Um, they were trying to rebalance the, the, the game. Basically, um, we're talking about new cards or rebalancing the cards, essentially like throwing out the old meta. And I mean, like all that's great, I guess, but it seems like way too little, way too late. Yeah, I just think that, at least on PC, uh, Hearthstone's only really going on because of its own momentum now. And it feels just like CCGs have kind of just uh, came and gone, right? Yeah, I think is the big juggernauts that they they were. I mean, I think it's, you know, like all thing out, things, they wax and wane. They'll probably be around for a while to come. Um, I mean, about the only game genre that I can think of that really died off were like rhythm games but i mean you know depending on how broad or vague you want to be with that definition there's a lot of like dance games and stuff like that that you might could say are rhythm games but you know i think ccgs will probably continue to exist in one form or another just the way that they were in their heyday a few years ago seems to mostly be gone yeah i mean at one point it just seemed like everybody was running their own ctg or uh, planning on it I guess Gwent is still pretty big too, but it's got the, the the Witcher universe to make it be as big as it is. Yeah, true. But it also just released on Steam, or at least it's on the new and trending. So, all right, cool. Can toss a coin to your Witcher. Ah, show reference song Gwent. Yep, free to play. Yeah, it looks like it released today. That's cool. I mean, there's a lot of people who like it. Good, you know, good for them. I'm pretty much... After Hearthstone, like, completely changed everything and ruined all the progress I had made in it, I basically just quit playing CCGs altogether. Except for, you know, here recently with the Lord of the Rings one. Yeah, but... but... Because it's cooperative instead of competitive. Yeah, true. I mean, it's just... Uh, the Lord of the Rings one, it it does itself a disservice just by... Looking too much like Hearthstone. Yeah, even though it barely plays like Hearthstone, it does present itself like Hearthstone. Right. I mean, I think it plays like Hearthstone in as much as, like, there are cards that you play. Yeah, but it has that kind of Hearthstone uh, skin to it, where all the cards have... Uh, yes, the artwork is different, but it presents itself... If you look at a Lord of the Rings card versus a Hearthstone card, outside of the willpower stat... If you don't know which is which, you wouldn't be able to tell, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's a part. very, it uses very similar adjectives for the, uh, or terms for different uh, abilities. It uses the same basic idea of uh, attacking and defending, or, uh, or I should say health and uh, attack, that sort of thing. Which I realize a lot of that is just steeped in older card games like Magic, but... The, the the damn kids, right? Just don't right. know that. So they're comparing it to Hearthstone saying, oh, this is Hearthstone. I don't want to play another Hearthstone game. I want to play something different and move on. Yeah, I'm looking at a bunch of different CCGs on Google right now. Um, and there are 
you know, aside from the fact that they're cards, there's not really much you can do to change that. There's a lot of different ways to design and do these cards. And, you know, may, maybe, maybe the Hearthstone model is the clearest, easiest way to do it. But, you know, that's uh, debatable. I think that's probably... Oh, uh, I think it's probably just a lot easier design. Yeah. Now, the one that immediately comes up for me that I see as different is Faria, but then you start getting into the whole problem of, well, they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, I love how that we spent, like, 30 seconds talking about, like, this is how much we don't give a shit about Artifact. Is We just use it as a springboard to talk about other CCGs that are better well, and immediately just, like, stop talking about it. Well, that's because, well, shall we go back to that one video where they announced Artifact and you could just hear the entire crowd go, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Artifact is that one, I don't... one game that nobody, I think, really wanted. And, you know, Valve has a history of abandoning games. Why this one? You know, why why this one be the one that they're going to try and revamp? I mean, I suppose money is probably the biggest reason, or maybe it's somebody's passion project who has... You know, I know that, that Valve or... Babe? Valve has that level, like, management, like that flat management system. But I still would think that, like, you know, if, like, Bobby's sitting around the office and it's like, come on, guys, let's work on... Um, you know, let's work on that card game. Artifact. Come on. Everyone's like, no, Bobby, shut up. We got other projects to do. That was a failure. What are you doing? We got other stuff. Like, you know, I can imagine that that guy doesn't have that much support. So unless he's been, like, working on it, I've now created this fictional character. Unless Bobby's been working on it for, you know, a year all by himself to get this ready, then I don't know why they're doing this at this point. Just let it go, guys. Just let let it go. I mean, you released a Half-Life game this year, for God's sake. Let let it go. Well, I'm just seeing if Richard Gardfield is still working at Valve, because that could be your answer right there. Because he is one of the co-creators of Magic the Gathering, and he was behind some of the design for Artifact. Well, I suppose that makes sense. You're wanting a reason. I'm, yeah, that might be it right there, right? They just have one or two people that are dedicated to Artifact. Or really like their CCGs and want to play it, right? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, but... You know, Valve, you guys do you, I guess. If you want to waste a bunch of time and money on Artifact, well, well, here's the thing. Godspeed. Well, here, well here's the, also the other thing, is that Valve is kind of like the, uh, uh, the reverse of the EA situation, where EA has to appease their shareholders. Valve is a, pri- is a, a privately... Uh, as a private company, they don't have shareholders as per design. So they are you know, able to do something as a passion project just because. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to defend Valve outright because it may just be, you know, that cynical. You know, well, we could uh, sit and try this again because it's not going to cost us that much money. But we also know that Valve has a very different structure. So. It may just be that you have a couple passionate people that are wanting to sit down and work on it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I do think you need to have a good balance, as with pretty much everything in life, um, of how much 
to go in on something because of passion versus financial or some other type of, of reasons and going all in on one thing usually is not a good idea. But I mean, they do have, you know, the capability to do it. And I, you know, I would be remiss if I was trying to tell them how to specifically spend their time as long as they're doing it because they want to and not some other reason. Like I just, you know, looking at this, it doesn't seem like a smart decision to make, but hell, I've never made a game. So, or ran a multi billion question mark, at least multi million dollar company. So I would imagine they're billions now, especially with the steam platform. Right. Yeah. Because how much is valve worth? This is going to be real accurate here. Googling this. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to buy Valve. How much? <laughs> How many Bill Gates do I need, right? Yeah. Well, this is not really useful. Okay, so in 2000, uh, in 2012, Valve was valued at $3 billion. Well, they have not been recently publicly evaluated. Their net estimate of their net worth would be around $8 billion. Oh, chump change. We'll buy them twice. Yeah. yeah. Bill Gates could buy him several times. Or, um, shit, what's his name? The Amazon guy? Jeff Bezos? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Bezos. He could buy him, like, a, a ton of times. Or Elon Musk. Yeah, but Elon Musk is too busy going crazy right now at home. <laughs> that is true. That is true. He goes, damn, right? Yeah. Let's see. Jeff Bezos could buy him at $8 billion. Let's see. 10, 15. 15 times um bill gates could buy them 12 times mark zuckerberg could almost buy them 10 times dang mark zuckerberg you, you got some catching up to do man you're only worth 79.97 billion dollars that makes me really sad inside like extremely sad yeah so sad right warren buffett we're 68. Every time I see him, I think about Jimmy Buffett just because of the last name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like thinking about Margaritaville being worth nearly $70 billion. Like, I know that that's completely wrong, but that's where my brain goes. Yeah, but also completely right. Very true. Very true. I'm going to need a margarita after this. Except I don't drink anymore. Yeah. No, since that one time you threw up in the bathtub, right? <laughs> no, I drank since then, but I mean, I don't drink anymore since I'm diabetic it's just too complicated to manage meds with alcohol so i just i just oh, well, don't, i like to keep just I, don't drink no i like the the head cannon yeah i threw up in the bathtub once and that was enough <laughs> i did do that i did throw up horrendously in the bathtub that one time a couple of years ago it's real gross i will spare the listeners any more details although they probably know about it at this point if they've been longer time listeners or were there that <laughs> night. There you were on. several of you there were several of you that were there. <laughs> Bad times. Bad times. Oh, no, it was kind of funny at the time. I remember you not thinking it was funny because you didn't like me when I was drunk. Uh, well, okay. You were annoyed with me. Uh, you have a bell curve. Okay, that's fair. Uh, after a certain point, you do get very annoying. I honestly just pictured it as like a cliff and it's like, you're fine, you're fine. And then it just, like, plummets and never recovers until the next, like, it recovers when you don't have to interact with me anymore. It's like, all right, I've had a break. I'm good. Uh, it's more like uh, Wally Coyote trying to launch a rocket. It goes up a little bit, then down. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, I can I can live with that. 
Uh, but anyway, really? any idea? Uh, shall we go back to Anthem or Anthem? Or, or sorry, not Anthem. Uh, Artifact. <laughs> that, that tells you how little I care about Artifact. Huh? Nah, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Fuck right? Artifact. That, maybe they maybe they turn it into a great game. I hope I'm I'm wrong. Well, being well, well the one of the takeaways so is about uh, it. actually I don't think it appears in this article. It may appear in another one I saw. Is that they talked about how hey we didn't have our beta period long enough to be able to have uh, proper uh, feedback. No shit, right? Yep, that's true. Or maybe, uh, you know, just uh, you know, putting Anthem in the place again, because, you know, another failed game that starts with an A, right? That I honestly don't give a shit about. Yeah. But same problem. Their beta period was just, you know, essentially a server stress test. Beta has not meant beta in a long time, to the point where if there's a problem with the gameplay loop, you have time to fucking fix it. Right now, uh, well, for one, beta should not be a pre-order bonus. Ever. And also, beta, in my opinion, should not be a way to get ahead of the curve on progression. And yes, we are going on the beta rant, okay? Okay. Beta should be a time in game development to make the game better. It's not to make sure, hey, our servers aren't going to melt on day one. Or, hey, the matchmaking software actually sort of works sometimes it should be a time that you're able to cultivate proper uh, 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 proper gameplay feedback from a larger development base than you know dave uh the intern that's it locked in the closet for the last three months and be able to change the gameplay loop to make it how about this more enjoyable because games that are enjoyable people want to play them and maybe, just maybe, you'll get a microtransaction or two out of more people that way. <gasps> I know, a shock, right? Indeed. Build a good game and they will come. Can't hear you. Building a, a, a hamster wheel uh, powered by microtransactions. Or a fucking casino. Literally. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, you should get off my fucking lawn. That's right. Get off my fucking lawn, you crazy kids. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I agree with you on the beta rant, but my brain is, is just like, I just kind of gave up after Artifact, because <laughs> it, it's garbage. Yeah. Oh, God. Being so mean to it. Uh, so, shall we continue on to Community Corner? Hey, there is their Community Corner. Yay! So, if you were to contribute and actually have a Community Corner, bglpodcast at gmail.com. Or VGL podcast on the Twitter. So, is your brain awake enough for a discovery queue, or do you want to call it a night? Um, I should probably call it a night. I'm, I'm like, I, I could sit here. I would not be a good conversationalist, I don't think. Oh, so like any other night. Got it. <laughs> yes, I'm turning mean. I guess. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Just punish me, Daddy. Spank me. Spank me. All right. Harder. harder. All right, Jesus. <laughs> and that's it we've come full circle people we did it pack it up it's actually a good time to do so <laughs> oh rage hit him with the socials and that goes back to a freaking episode that you'll probably hear in what like three or four months now yeah or maybe you've already heard it because time is weird yeah and quarantine does uh, weird things to weird people it does indeed i mean just look at us right Actually, some of the Alton Brown's content on YouTube has gotten whew, 
Yeah, some people have been have been in their homes a little too long. But anyway, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me maybe on YouTube, uh, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage over there. Or Gaming with CR over on the Twitter. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can send me a friend request on Steam. Arthur 4707 And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, password for this week is Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut, also known as Jared's Brain right now. Also gross. I hate sauerkraut. Well, at least it's not coconuts, right? <laughs> that is true. Coconut, pure poison. I also don't like coconut all that much. Pure poison. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Things were, were simpler. Life was easier. Now everything. Obama Pure was president. Right? Yeah. Uh, how, yep. how about a competent adult as president? That would be great. Competent adult 2020. Oh, I did fill Not out my... Not moron uh, 2020. Yeah, I did fill out my uh, primary uh, voter form uh, over the weekend. Because they moved my primary back to be even more laughably late. But uh, and I did absentee because, you know, uh, my corona. Figured out why uh, you know, a certain political party doesn't want... Uh, uh, people to do that i was able to say her google people and uh, look at political platforms without having to remember names right can't have uh, informed voters right can't have that can't have the, an informed populace we might get shit done yeah it was just it, it, sitting here doing that it was like oh well suddenly this makes a lot more sense right indeed it does so if you wish to make some more sense of us well good luck right yeah <laughs> but once again, you could reach us via our podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us via your podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this possible. You, find, you can find out more at patreon.com slash podcast. And if you want to still read the show notes or find all of our stuff, you do so vjlpodcast.podbean.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work over at Incomputech.com, and... As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.